we are going to turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. I'm just going to pull the chapter right now. I want to pray, Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Open my mind (coughs) to receive your truth. Open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word and not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit to the praise and glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. I will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 40. And I'm going to read from verse 1, as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. Genesis chapter 40, I'm going to read from verse 1. It came to pass, after these things, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I'm going to read again. It came to pass, after these things, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, in the palace, the Joseph's was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Praise be to God. I'm going to stop right here, as the Holy Spirit wants me to. Verse 1, we see two human beings butler and baker they're two human beings and they are two servants of the ultimate authority of the land of Egypt two human beings who were serving the ultimate authority of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He had power over all the human beings there. Like God, so to speak, to the Egyptians. He had the power to kill. He had the power to keep someone alive. He does not have the power to 
make someone alive it keeps someone alive as long as God gives them breath to live this king of Egypt Pharaoh found something wrong in both his servants and both of them are sent to a particular place in prison a particular area where Joseph was no no one knew why they being sent there except they offended the king now god doesn't make anyone to sin god doesn't cause human beings to commit crimes god did not cause joseph's brothers to want to cure him in order for joseph to become the prime minister of egypt god did not cause potiphar's wife to be filled with lust in order for joseph to be thrown into prison no god does not have evil and he does not make human beings to sin god is holy he does not have sin in himself but whatever human beings do inspired by the devil and they are driven by the devil to go against God's people God takes that and he makes that into a weapon against the enemy i want you to understand this and if you are taking notes write this as this is very important whatever the enemy uses in your life God has the power to take that very thing and turn that into a weapon the enemy's weapon against the enemy that is who our god is what joseph's brothers did in order to kill joseph throw him into the pit God used that against the enemy. In the midst of all of that, God always make a way of escape. Let's go to the scripture for a minute so that you have this in front of you. This is important for you to know. that God always provides a way of escape when you go through trials God always provides a way of escape and it's important for us to know that there's always a way out in every situation God will come through for his people in a glorious manner 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 
First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. In New King James Version, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Let me read it again. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Now God is not speaking here about tempting people with sin. This is not what it means. God never tempts people with sin. The scripture talks about trials. Whatever trial that comes to a human being, God says when he allows it, God is not causing it, but when he gives permission, when he allows it, when he leads us into a wilderness, when he leads us through the fire, when he leads us into a valley, he never puts us in a place where it's impossible for us to overcome. He will never give us something that we cannot handle. That doesn't mean that we're all powerful. No. It simply means that through his strength we'll overcome. His strength is a way of escape. Crying out to him, we overcome. Crying out to him is a way of escape. Where he comes to the scene, he always comes to the scene. Our way of escape is God himself. And he always provides a way of escape. And he will never, never allow us to suffer beyond what we can bear. It can get to the maximum, but he won't allow it to go past that. He always comes to our rescue. And so we must remember, whatever path that God allows us to go through, there is a way of escape that God has for us. And that way of escape is God himself. When we face him, the way of escape, who is the way, the truth, and the life, the door himself, he will lead us out of the trial in a victorious manner. And what else happens he turns the trial into a triumphant victory. And that becomes a platform for our elevation. God spoke to us yesterday during the service. How he turns our yoke into a crown for us. 
This is who our God is. When we understand the ways of the Almighty God, we will not complain. When we understand the personality, the nature of our God, we're not going to ask why, but we are going to ask Him to give us the strength to be that way of escape, to endure and to win. So we see here in Joseph's life where he was thrown into the pit, God provided a way of escape when they wanted to kill him. God had his hand, he moved one of those the same group who wanted to kill to take him and sell him why simply kill him we'll just at least make the money off of him get rid of him this way where his life was spared because Joseph has to live in order for his dream, God-given dream, God-given vision to come to pass. So, in the trial, the enemy was not given to kill him. The enemy was not given permission to kill Joseph. Because of that, that's the only reason that they didn't kill him. God provided a way of escape there. He would have cried out to God. God had a plan for him. God didn't cause his brothers to rise up against him, no. But what the devil tried to do, God took that. God is working something out working something out strategically, whatever. Whenever the enemy tries to do something, God comes up with a better plan. Always remember that. When Satan does something in your life, God will come up with a better plan. Better plan. Better plan. And all that the enemy would try to do, he would take the very same things that the enemy used to use it against the enemy. So we win. All the time. All the time. All the time. I was praying with Pashpadeep on Saturday. We had to send an official document out. And as we prayed, the Holy Spirit showed this. He showed me a whole bunch of hurdles. A lot of hurdles in front of me. I used to be in sports. I've jumped many hurdles and won. Life's hurdles are way difficult than the earthly hurdles we may be skilled at. We need God for that hurdles too because you can get a strain and fall flat on your face. It's the grace of God that sustained me back then and gave me the victory because of the Spirit of God who was in me. 
The same principle goes when it comes to life's hurdles. God showed me so many hurdles before me. And as I prayed, I saw every hurdle fall flat in front of me. And the Lord said, I will make these hurdles a bridge for you so that you can walk right through. I will make the very same hurdles that the enemy has placed before you to become a bridge for you in order to get to where I want you to get to. This is who our God is. He takes the weapon of the enemy and he uses it against the enemy. He's placing it because he doesn't want me to go forward at all. He said, well, that's what you're doing. I'll use the very same thing to make my child go exactly to where you don't want her to go. And God has a plan. No one can stop it. No one. No demon on hell. No human on earth. No creature in heaven. No one can stop it. Are the hurdles from God? No. This is where many people go wrong because they don't have God. They listen to the voice of Lucifer and they blame God for everything. What a tragedy when people blame God because they accumulate curse upon themselves. Only when we have eyes to see can we see the goodness of the Lord. Only when we have ears to hear can we hear the blessings that come from the Father in Heaven. Only when our spirits are right with God will we see the awfulness of Satan, the author of confusion, the enemy of our soul. Our spiritual thermometer has to work properly. Our spiritual meter has to work properly. Otherwise it will show all kinds of readings which will give false results. Those who go by false results can end up in tragedy. Our spiritual measuring tool must be sound, must be in good condition. Our spirits must be clear before God in order to be able to see right as right and wrong as wrong. What is of God and what is of the enemy? Now in Genesis, we see here how in every situation when the enemy tried to destroy Joseph because he had a job from God to do and it involves the plan of God that God had through Abraham for his people the Messiah has to come God was going to take his people to the land flowing with milk and honey that he promised to Abraham Satan was against the plan of God anytime the enemy goes after someone he is terrified 
of the plan of God God has for them. It's pretty big. It's against his kingdom. It's against him. He wants to finish them off as fast as he can so that that plan that God has will be abolished. Now that's foolishness though because no one can destroy the plan of God. But he has been foolish and that's why he was thrust out of heaven. And he still continues to be foolish and so he tries till the day he'll be thrown in the lake of fire. But we as God's people should not be tricked by this crafty serpent that will come and lie and say that, well, nothing good is going to happen. Everything bad is going to happen. Look what happened to you, thrown into the pit. Look what happened to you, thrown as a slave. Look what happened to you, now you've gone into prison. What is the point in living a godly life? And there are people who backslide. Why? Because they gave room to the evil spirit called self-pity because they chose to keep their eyes on themselves and feel sorry for themselves all the time instead of fixing their eyes on God Almighty. Am I here to live for Jesus or am I living for myself? If I'm here to live for Jesus, no matter what I go through, my eyes will not be on me. My eyes will be on God Almighty. Whatever God wants to do, I'll do. That's how we live. If God wants me to give the word, I give. If God wants me to not give the word and sit for 40 days, I'll do that. Or sit for the entire life and I did the will of God and I reached heaven, that'll be the best thing I would have done. Whatever God wants to do, we should be prepared to do. Never wallow in self-pity. Never look at things like how the people of the world will look at. It's not about how much you do. It's not about how well you do. It's about whether you're doing what God wants you to do. And you're doing it with everything that is within you. And you're doing it implicitly being trustworthy. If God tells us something and He says, hold it in. It is important to hold it in. If God tells us something and He says, go tell everyone. It is important to, at the point, go tell everyone. If God tells us, now I want you to do this. It's important to do this. When the Lord tells you, I don't want you to do anything right now. I just want you to wait. That means there's a reason for that. Something far greater is happening during that waiting period. It's important to sit and wait. It's a big problem for many people. Because when they make even serving God about themselves, sitting and waiting will become a huge problem. I'm going to do something. I'm going to keep doing something. If I don't do something then I don't feel like I'm doing anything for God. It's like, see, all about me. It's not about whether we feel whether we must do anything or not. 
Does God want me to do it? Is the question. When he wants us to do it, we do it. When he says, step aside, I want someone else to do it. Then we step aside. When we obey and step aside, he does something inside of us. He fills us with everything we need. Gets us ready for the next task that God has for us. A lot of people don't have that concept of listening to God and waiting on Him. Run, 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 run. Before they know, they crash. And the Spirit of the Lord gives us the grace to lay ourselves down, to be smart enough to lay ourselves down, to simply be a follower of the living God. Not tell God what we should do for Him, but have God dictate to us what He wants us to do for Him. Now, these two officers who got into trouble with Pharaoh got into trouble because they did something wrong. They listened to the devil and they did something. They were idol worshippers, but they had no God, the living God in their lives. So they were dominated by the enemy. From Pharaoh to all the Egyptians there. Did not have the living God to be their God. Were serving Satan. So they listened to the devil and they did something. God didn't cause them to do anything wrong, no. But when they did something, and they were going to be thrown into prison, God knew how to turn things around. He used that opportunity to use Joseph in their lives in order God's plan to be accomplished at a latter time. God's hand upon your life is very strategic. When God works, He works in very strategic ways. God brought Joseph into this prison with a purpose. Joseph was thrown into this prison, the prison where royal criminals will be there, people who work for the king from royal office. He was not with any other criminals but he was with the king's criminals. God put him there. Understand this. Because God was going to take him to where he needed to take him, he positioned Joseph there. Even when Satan moved part of his wife, and Satan said, let me lock him up in this prison. Once I put him in this prison, 
He thought first, let me make him sin. If I cause Joseph to commit sin, I won. Because after that, his call will be gone. It's over. Once he does something, it's over. The fake would have planned to cause him sin. And after that, to have the consequence of that, and his whole life would have been ruined, like Samson's life. So Satan set a trap for Joseph. Joseph, being a righteous man of God, escaped that trap because he had the fear of the Lord. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord, the person who has the fear of the Lord, will escape the trap of immoral women. Those who don't have the fear of the Lord will fall into it. And Joseph escaped the trap because he feared the Lord. He said, how can I do such a thing before God? And he was wrongfully charged. Satan said, okay, you didn't fall into the trap. Let me make her lie. Let me throw you into the prison. Lock you in. Once and for all. You go in, you are in. End of story. How can God's vision, it's God's vision that God gave to Joseph. And the promise to Abraham come to pass. It's not going to come to pass. Hey, I stopped it. Look what I'm doing. That's what Satan said. And stopping, putting an end to Joseph. It's over. Prison. Over. And he was going to keep him there for life. God shows up there. You know why? Because Joseph carried God with him wherever he went. He had the Lord before him. He set the Lord before him all the time. And so his God went with him to the prison. God had his hand over this entire situation. He didn't allow Joseph to go into any prison because Joseph was the slave of Potiphar who served the king. Joseph was thrown into the prison who offended the king's servants. And it is there these two officers who had trouble with Pharaoh were thrown in. Understand this. Your pit God will turn it into a palace. Like we saw yesterday from Esther's life. Her exile was turned into an elevation for her and for Mordecai because they chose not to do what the rest of those people did. And they chose to do 
what the rest of the people did not do. By listening and following God Almighty. That's what happened to Joseph. In his situation, where he was, he chose not to do what the rest of the people did. He chose to do what they did not do, which was fear God and be faithful to Him. God was able to count on Him. And when these two officers came, God had Joseph over these two. He was a prisoner there, but there God had him in charge of these people. Verse 3 says this, So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison the place where Joseph was confined. God moved the captain of the guard to charge Joseph with these two prisoners. He becomes a leader over there. A trustworthy man over there. Imagine what the prison guard would have seen in Joseph. Our testimony is very important wherever we are. There's some people, Christians, call themselves believers. So grumpy. Attitude so bad. Because they feel justified. I did the right thing and I don't deserve this and they put me here and this happened to me and so... I have the right to be bitter. No, you destroy yourself by doing that. Right to be bitter will destroy you. Fruit of bitterness will shipwreck your faith, God's word says. It will take your faith out of you and land you in the lake of fire. God's word says, be careful lest there be any root of bitterness. Be careful, it's very important not to let bitterness, unforgiveness enter into you. If you have it, uproot it right away. Before the root gets deeper, it becomes impossible to uproot it because it will become a giant tree. Now, verse 4 says this, And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. He served then, so they were in custody for a while. We don't know how long. Joseph was still there, no way out. Satan was so happy. Hey, I locked you in. It's over. Your plan, your vision. I killed it. I killed it. 20 pieces of silver, I killed it. I even gave your brothers the money for it. Done. It's over. You see, a similarity here between Jesus and Joseph. Jesus hung between 
two thieves. One went to heaven, one went, the other went to hell. Joseph here in prison is between two criminals. Jesus was innocent between two thieves and Joseph is innocent here between two criminals. One went to the palace and the other was executed. Joseph is a type of Christ. He's not Christ. He's a type of Christ. Where the Spirit of Christ was working inside of him. There's someone who walked with God. Carried the presence of God wherever he went. Even the Egyptian heathen prison guard was able to trust him. He saw something different in him. And he made him someone who was in charge of the other criminals would come there. May God help us to be like that. Carry the Spirit of God. Even in our valleys to carry the Spirit of God wherever we go. The people don't see a grumpy, bitter, complaining person, but people would see a person who is thankful in every situation, a person who is joyful in every situation, a person who will help others in spite of what they're going through. The person who will carry the Spirit of Christ. Trustworthy, dependable. People of God. So with these two officers that were put in here, Whatever the enemy did, whatever Satan planned against Joseph and he thought it was over, God is doing something else. As Joseph did what God wanted him to do, God turned his captivity around. That's what happened to Job. When Job prayed for his friends, the two friends, who really spoke such harsh things against him. God had to finally come and scold him and tell them, you better repent. You were so wrong. And God had Job pray over his two friends. When Job prayed, God said, now I'll forgive. Job did the right thing. He didn't sit and give them long lectures and say that, well, I'm not going to go pray for you. You did this for me. Job was not bitter at all. In the midst of so much suffering, Job carried the presence of God. And when God told him to pray for his friends who were used by the devil, all good-sounding, Bible-speaking people used by the devil, supposedly speaking for God, but they were speaking for Lucifer, trying to cut Job into pieces, 
emotionally. They both were used as weapons by Satan against Job. On top of the physical afflictions he had that Satan gave Job, Satan used people that were close to Job to turn against Job. To wound him emotionally. Job was wounded physically and emotionally. He turned his wife against him. He turned his friends against him. Even the little children in the street mocked him. Even though he was wounded, he turned to his God, the healer. His wound did not become infected. But his wound became a healing agent for so many people throughout generations. God put his story in the Bible. And the life of Job speaks to God's people. It speaks to me. His wounds heal our wounds. God used the weapon of the enemy against the enemy. God used whatever the enemy used as a weapon against Job. God used that same thing against the enemy. That's why we have the book of Job in the Bible. It became a weapon. All that Satan did against Job, thinking that he was going to destroy Job, it became a weapon against the enemy. May the Spirit of God speak to our hearts today. What are you going through? No matter how deep your problem may be, no matter how difficult your path may be, no matter how impossible looking your situation may be, when you give yourself in the hands of the living God, He takes your tragedies and He turns it into triumph and victory. As God spoke to us yesterday during our Sunday service. He takes the yoke of Satan, the bondage, the heaviness that Satan puts upon our back, upon our shoulders, to press us down, to destroy us. God takes that very thing and He uses it against the enemy. He makes a golden crown for us. He uses our sorrows and our tragedies to comfort others. We become a blessing. We become a healing agent. We become a source of eternal blessings when we give ourselves over to God. He takes every one of our tragedies. He takes every one of our sufferings. And He turns that into a platform to elevate those who look to Him. That's how we don't become bitter. We don't go into depression. We actually become a healing agent to many who go through what we've gone through. God is speaking to our hearts this morning. In Joseph's life, 
whatever Joseph would have gone through, God took everything. Whatever the devil tried to do, God came through every single time. And he turned it around. Did it happen the very second? No. Did it happen the very next day? No. But it happened at the right time. Our timing, our thinking, they're all very faulty. We're very short-sighted. We're human beings and not God. Our understanding is very limited in what we try to do with our own understanding is always very limited. And many times it goes wrong. But when God is in the picture, the creator of the heavens and the earth, when he's in the picture, he turns all our sorrows into something useful. He turns our tragedies into something that would heal others. God not only heals our wounds, but He uses our past wounds to heal others. And this goes along with the scriptures that says, By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. When Jesus was flogged, whipped, but every time he was flogged, flesh was ripped out of his back. Satan thought, hey, I got him now. He was going and healing people. But Satan is the one who causes diseases. He hated Jesus. He was setting people free. People were suffering from seizures and suffering from diseases, suffering from torment. Jesus went with his compassion. He touched them and he healed all of them who came to him by faith. For every, for every human being who was healed, Satan lost ground because he was sitting on their bodies. So he lost his territory because he comes to cause suffering. Satan was angry that he was not able to cause suffering to all those human beings. So he said, you are healing people. Let me nail those hands that heal the people. You walked around doing good. Let me nail those feet. Look how brutally I'm going to torture you and kill you. Satan would have thought, well, you don't know. Wait till you get to the cross. Wait till you get to Pilate. Wait till you get captured. Wait till you get arrested. Then it's going to be my territory where I'm going to make sure that you become beyond recognition. Where I will torture you to the point that there will be no Jesus anymore. That's what Satan would have thought. But for all the flogging that Jesus got, for all the pain that Jesus bore, when he bore it was very painful, excruciatingly painful. The Bible says his back looked like a plowed field. He bore it for us, for our sins, 
so we don't have to suffer. We don't have to go into the eternal place of torment because He wanted to be with us. Heaven begins while we're on earth, not just in heaven. When Jesus Christ comes into our lives, we begin to live eternal life while we are here. He transforms every part of our being. So, when Jesus Christ got those beatings, Satan thought, I'm finishing him right here. But Jesus knew what was happening to him. Every time he was flogged, he had our faces in front of him. For each one of us who need to enter into eternal life, he bore the pain. Not only that, the prophecy in the book of Isaiah says, by his stripes we are healed. The beating that he was getting, that Satan thought was going to collapse Jesus, destroy him, has turned into healing fountain for us. The wounds that he got are the very wounds that are healing us today. By his stripes we're healed. God is speaking to our hearts this morning. Whatever you might have gone through, no matter how painful it might have been, God can use every single one of them in your life to bring something good out of it. So don't let your past, your pain, stay as pain, but let it turn into a wellspring of life. If you want to defeat Satan, you completely give yourself over to God who can turn your tragedy into triumph and victory. Make your life into something that can never be forgotten on this side of the eternity or in the life to come. Life worth living is a life that is lived for Jesus Christ. Where He takes all our failures, He takes all our wounds, He takes all our tragedies, He takes all our brokenness. We come to Him broken, we come to Him wounded, we come to Him weary, we come to Him exhausted, we come to Him with death in our bodies. He takes us and He makes us whole. And whatever the enemy afflicted us with, He takes that and He makes that as a weapon against the enemy. By causing us to become healing agents to thousands and thousands of people who be blessed by our wounds, blessed by our brokenness, blessed by all the tragedies that we went through because of how Christ would turn that into a blessing. That's the key. Without Him, we would remain broken. Without Him, we will live in tragedy. But with Him, everything changes. When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is He. He's my constant friend who's doing something all the time. 
to bless me, to bless you, to turn our tragedies into a blessing that's not only a momentary thing but an eternal thing because whatever happens here it happens through God in our lives to bless others will follow us when we die it will follow us all the way into heaven that's the only thing that will follow us just like we came alone into this world we will go alone out of this world the only thing that will go with us when we leave this world is what we do for Christ what we do with our lives our works will follow don't let whatever the enemy did in your life go wasted and waste your life away but as we saw this morning that Satan is the author of confusion Satan is the author of diseases Satan is the author of evil Satan is the author of everything bad not God because God has no evil in him or when we bring him into the picture by surrendering ourselves to him he turns all of those evil things that Satan did to us as a weapon whatever Satan used to beat us down God takes the very same thing to beat him down by turning our wounds as a healing agent for others by taking that yoke like God spoke to us yesterday in church taking that yoke turning that into a crown for us as we understand the love of God the compassion of God what God can do in the life of a human being we're just dust before him but we carry his breath that's why we're so valuable we're created in the image of God even though made out of dust we're so valuable because we carry his breath and we are living souls that will live forever while we are here while we're just passing through this brief life before we know will be over it's important to be smart to let God work in us to turn whatever the enemy has done in our lives into something glorious but we see God take all of that every bit of whatever Satan did in our lives to turn that into a blessing for us and for someone else not just one not just two but there are millions out there who are wounded who are hurting who are bleeding who are dying we don't want to just sit and not do anything and waste our lives away we don't have the power to do anything anyway we can go and fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and say, Lord, I come with all the brokenness, I come with all the wounds, I come with all the hurt. This is my life, you know my story. But I'm here to tell you, because I've never told you before. Go to him and talk to him. I challenge you today. He will take all those failures, all those tragedies, all those sorrows, all those brokenness, all those negative stuff, all those things that you don't even want to think about anymore, all those things you really want to forget, all those things that makes you feel sick when even a thought comes or something triggers that. God can take all of that and turn it into triumphant victory. Make you someone who will be a blessing. That your wounds can heal others through the power of Christ that will work in and through you. God will heal you first and then use your past wounds. Your wounds are never going to be fresh. He's not going to say, well, you stay wounded so someone else can get healed. No. No. God will heal you. And then make you a healing agent. Use every one of those wounds to bless others. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Lord. Thank you, precious Lord. You're so real. You're so alive. You're so compassionate. You're so loving. You're there for us, Lord. Heaven and earth may pass away, but your words will never pass away. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You're with us. In the fire, you're with us. In the flood, you're with us. In the valley, you're with us. In the desert, you're with us. All our pain, you know. You know us through and through, Father. Our sitting down, our rising up, you know. We just come to you, Lord, our living God. We ask you, Lord, that you will touch us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will touch your people. Whatever they may be going through, you know it all. Whatever they've gone through, you know it all. So we come to you, Father. Just as you spoke today about Joseph. And you spoke to today, Lord, to us about Job. You spoke to us today about Jesus. How you turned all those wounds and tragedies into something glorious, Lord, something glorious. Now, we're blessed. We're blessed by their lives. And you want to do the same for us. Take all the hurts and the wounds and the pain. 
so that you can heal. You can fill us with your power. Turn all those failures and wounds and hurts and use that into a blessing. Make it into a blessing. We thank you, Father. You will take the weapon of the enemy and you will use it against the enemy. For there is no defeat to those who walk in the path of the cross. We thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the call of God that you have upon our lives. We give ourselves over to that heavenly call, the high call that has come to us from the King of Kings to the Lord of Lords. We who are made out of dust, to dust our bodies shall return. But you've given us this precious soul because your breath is in us. You made us alive, O oh Lord. And we thank you. We want to use this breath for you. It is from you. We want to use it for you. And I pray that you will help us this morning. Help every brother, every sister, every child who is on the call today. That you will cause them, Father, to understand what you're speaking of this hour. That their lives may change, O oh Lord. That their lives may change for the better. That all that the enemy meant to do in their lives, causing tragedies and pain, may be turned over to the living God so that he can take that and use it against the enemy. To the very same thing that the enemy afflicted us with, we may use it to be a blessing for others. That will torment the enemy. When he sees others being set free, when he sees others prosper because of what he did to us, he will regret what he did. So I pray that you will cause your people to understand the way to take vengeance over the enemy who caused so much pain is to give ourselves completely over to the Lord. Give our pain over to the Lord. Give our tragedies over to the Lord. So that He can make something beautiful out of it. So that the ugliness of our past, ugliness of whatever happened, may never stay ugly. It may turn into something beautiful. So wherever you are, tell the Lord Jesus at this hour, say, Jesus, write my story. You write my story. You write my story. There's nothing beautiful in it. But you can take all my brokenness, Lord. You can take all my tragedies, Lord. You can take all the disasters, Lord. And you can do something with it. Tell God that now. You just say it in your own words. Tell God, Lord, I just heard. I just heard that you can do something with all the brokenness. I don't want any single brokenness to remain broken, any single ugliness to remain ugly in my life. Jesus, take it. I just give it to you. All that is shattered inside of me, 
I bring all those broken pieces to you, Lord. I can do that. I don't have the power to fix it. But I have the ability to take the broken pieces and bring it to you. Take that, Jesus. And do something glorious with it, Lord. Tell the Lord, I don't want to remain the same way. Enough is enough. I want to change. I want to change. Let there be a change in me so that I can bring a change around me. I want to do something. I want you to do something inside of me. Tell the Lord. Jesus, do something inside of me. Jesus, do something inside of me. Wherever you are, just open your mouth and open your hearts. No matter how long you might have thought you knew Jesus, you're still broken on the inside. Today's the day. Take it to God and say, Lord, do something with all this mess that's there. I don't want to simply put a sheet over it and pretend like it's not there when I know it's there. And it's bothering me all the time. Tell the Lord that. Take it away, Father. Change it into something beautiful. Take all this ugliness away. Change it into something beautiful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you for your presence that is in our midst, O Father. Thank you, Lord. Just in your own words, talk to the Lord. Our God hears. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The very same compassionate Jesus was standing beside people, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, standing right next to you. He's talking to you right now. He says, my child, just give it all in my hands. See what I can do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. By your death, I gain life. By your stripes, I'm healed. You took my place on Calvary. And you paid the penalty on the cross for me. There you died for me. Oh, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will touch your people at this hour. Break every chain. Break every chain. Every burden that the enemy has placed upon your people. Father, by their total surrender to you, and asking you to change that into something beautiful. I pray may they see their lives turn around. May they see God use every single one of those, every single one of those, into something far glorious. Thank you, Father. Bless your people, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just talk to the Lord in your own words for a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, 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 praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As we are in the presence of God, the Lord Jesus is standing right next to you, wherever you are. Just focus on what God is doing at this hour. Just give yourself over to the Spirit of the Living God to touch you. When you believe that Jesus is right next to you, that He's touching you, you will experience a touch from the Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When I arise, when I arise, let me see you, Jesus. Let me see you, Jesus. When I arise, when I arise, let me love you, Jesus. Let me love you, Jesus. When I arise, when I arise, let me serve you, Jesus. Let me serve you, Jesus. It is a prayer to the Lord. You're the hope to the hopeless, the friend. Of the weary, the lover of my soul, sweet Jesus. You're the hope to the hopeless, the friend of the weary, the lover of my soul. Sweet Jesus When I am tired When I am tired Let me run to Jesus Let me run to Jesus when I am tired, when I am tired, let me run to Jesus, let me run to Jesus. I will see your face, O oh Lord. I seek your glory, Lord. I seek your glory, Lord. I will, I will, yeah. I will seek your face, oh Lord Jesus. I seek 
your glory, Lord, yes. I seek your glory, Lord. When I arise, when I arise, let me see you, Jesus. Let me see you, Jesus. When I arise, when I arise, O oh Lord Jesus, let me love you, Jesus. Let me love you, Jesus. When I arise. When I arise, let me serve you, Jesus. Let me serve you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is in our midst. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Tell the Holy Spirit, Lord, breathe your living breath upon me. I want your living breath upon me, Jesus. I want your living breath upon me, Jesus. Turn all my tragedies, O Lord. Turn all my tragedies into triumphant victory. Turn it into triumphant victory, O Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn it into a triumphant victory, O Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me see you, Jesus, in all of my circumstances, in all of my problems, in all of my trials, in all of my wounds, in all of my hurts, O Lord. Let me see you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me see you, Jesus. Work in me, Lord, and work through me, Jesus. Tell the Lord. Hallelujah. God will take every tragedy. God will take every trial. God will take every hurt. God will change it into a triumphant victory. Hallelujah. Your yoke will be turned into your crown. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Hallelujah. And you give your brokenness to Him. He does something beautiful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for what you've done this morning. And know, oh Lord, you've done something special this morning. You've done something glorious in the lives of your people this morning. And I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Only you can heal. Only you can deliver. Only you can save. Only, only you. Only you, Jesus. So we just come to you, Father. And we ask you for the healing river of the Lord Jesus Christ. To touch every heart. In the name of Jesus. Touch every heart. Touch every heart. Touch every heart. Let healing take place at this hour in the name of Jesus. Let not a single thing from the past remain painful, remain ugly, remain broken in the name of Jesus. I ask for the Spirit of the living God to touch every heart in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, Father, do something beautiful. And I thank you, Lord, for doing this. I give you all the glory, give you all the honor, give you all the praise. For your presence is real. For your word is the truth. And it has power to heal. And it has come to your people today. With power to heal. 
And I praise you, Father. I praise you, Father. I praise you, Father. I pray to you, bless your people, Father. As a servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people this morning that all their brokenness and all their tragedies be turned into triumphant testimonies and healing agents for all eternity standing as a testament to what God alone can do in the lives of broken people. Thank you. I praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus.